thing back with me for a minute to a romantic relationship early on in life. There's a certain excitement there and an interest in that other person. And, and then there's those questions that make us think, what do they think about me? And, and unless you're in fourth grade, you can't send a note across the room that says, you know, check if you like me, check if you don't like me. Maybe later on, you would ask your friend, ask their friend what they thought. But, but as adults, we don't do that sort of thing. And so we wonder, what does that other person think about me? And we do that in all kinds of relationships. We always sort of wonder where we stand with people. And the truth is, this can even be true in our relationship with God. I mean, God doesn't audibly speak to us. And even if he did, we couldn't see him and sort of read his body language. So how am I with God? Am I right with God? How can I possibly know? Well, the truth is, that's not a new question. It's an important question that deserves a carefully thought out answer. And the good news is that there's a whole book of our New Testament that deals with this very question. And so today we're going to launch into a new series of lessons that I'm calling That You May Know. And it's all about knowing where we stand with God. And the book that we're going to look at is 1 John. Now we're going to begin that study today and it's going to last for several weeks. And we're going to think about just what John says. Now, John's an interesting writer in the New Testament. We have several books by John. We have a gospel, we have three letters, and we have Revelation. And what John sometimes does, we certainly see this at work in, in the Gospel of John and here in 1 John, is that he waits almost to the very end of the book to give us his purpose statement. So in the Gospel, he waits 20 chapters before he tells us exactly why he wrote. And in this book, we find that he gives us his purpose statement in the very last chapter. About halfway through that chapter, he says this in 1 John 5, 13. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. You see, see what John is saying is, I want you to be confident in your relationship with God. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, then I want you to be without fear. And we're going to come back to that as we talk about that even today. But the way John does this is he lays out several tests. He gives us several things that we can look at in our lives and say, okay, do I answer this yes or no? And the answer to that test points us in a direction of knowing where we stand with God. And this was so important to him that he didn't want these Christians that he was writing to to be concerned about this. Chances are they had some false teaching that was coming their way that said you had to have something special more than he had given them. And what he wants them to know is the gospel is very clear and that we can be right with God. Now, as we go through this series, a couple things I want to keep in mind, and I'd like for you to keep in mind as well. First of all, it's really important that you get this whole message. So what I'd like for you to do is, you know, we can't all be at church every Sunday. I'd like for you to make sure that if you miss a Sunday or maybe a couple, that you get online and listen to the message. Because it's really important that we get all of these tests and see everything that John is saying to us. And, and what we'll find as we go through these tests is that probably some of them make us feel really good about our relationship with God because we can affirm what John is saying. And then maybe there'll be one or two that make us think, you know what, I've got some work to do. I've got some things that I need to think about. Now, the second thing I'd like for you to do 
is read through 1 John. That'll give you a full understanding of the test that he's giving us and a full understanding of how you can be confident in your relationship with God. Now, there's a reading guide out in the foyer. There's the booklets, the journals that have the text of 1 John. We'll be reading along together in that, and I hope we can have some discussion about that along the way and, and allow John to speak into our lives so that we will be more confident and where we stand with God. Now today we're going to open our Bibles and we're going to look at the first test. And maybe maybe for some of us, this is the most daunting. It's the, the one that will make us question the most and challenge ourselves the most. And, and that's okay because it's important that we know where we stand with God. And it's important that we sort of make those corrections that we need to make. Now, one of the things that we need to note about 1 John is this. John repeats himself. What he does is he circles back to some of these tests. So he'll lay it out and then maybe lay out one or two more. Then he comes back to the first one. So what we have to do is, is really group these things together. And so in this series, I, I'm going to group several different passages together each week. So we'll go back and forth through the letter of 1 John. Fortunately, it's probably just two, three, maybe four pages in your Bible. So it's easy to get back and forth. Now, our reading guide goes straight through the book, but our sermons are going to skip around a little bit and, and sort of pick and choose where John talks about specific passages. So today, we're going to start in 1 John chapter 2, near the end of the chapter, to get this first test that helps us know where we are with God. And this is what John says. 1 John 2, 28 says, And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. So what John is saying is, listen, I want you to be confident about Jesus' return. I don't want it to be something that you dread or fear. I want you to be excited that Jesus is going to return because you're going to be in the presence of God for eternity. And so what I want you to do is abide in him. Now, if you read through 1 John, what you'll find is that that language shows up over and over again. John keeps coming back to abide in God and, and knowing how God abides in us. So we'll see this coming up over and over as he speaks about us abiding in God. So he says, if you abide in God, then you can be confident about Jesus' return. Verse 29, if you know that he is righteous you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. So the test is, are you practicing righteousness? Now, when we hear that, some of us go, well, I try, but I'm not exactly perfect. And maybe you're even thinking, I'm not sure what John means. What does it mean to practice righteousness? Well, we'll come back to that in just a minute, but I want you to see a promise that he gives. He tells us this is, this is the result of you practicing righteousness. This is the result of you abiding in him. That comes in chapter 3, verse 1. He says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. So John says... Because we abide in him, our very identity is changed. We are, we are made his sons and daughters. And with that, for John would certainly have come the sense that we have an inheritance with God. And that inheritance is the eternal life that he talks about in chapter 5. 
that we, that we read earlier. So John is saying, listen, you're changed because you've chosen to abide in God and because you've chosen to practice righteousness. You are his children. You are adopted into his family. And what a great blessing that is. But maybe you're still dealing with those questions. What does it mean to practice righteousness? Well, I want us to back up in chapter 2, because I think if we look at the beginning of chapter 2, what we find is, is John laying that out a little more clearly in ways that we can understand more quickly. This is what he says in chapter 2, verse 3. And by this we know that we have come to know him, to know God, if we keep his commandments. So if we're going to practice righteousness, this is what John is talking about. If we keep his commandments. He goes on to say, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar and is the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. So John says, this is all about obeying God's commandments. And what you find is these are not the only two places that John talks about this. He talks about obedience as a test of where we stand with God over and over again. Now, Here's one of the problems. Maybe you're struggling with that. Maybe you say, well, if this is one of the tests, I don't feel more confident. I feel less confident because I know I'm a sinner. And the truth is, every single one of us are sinners. And John knew that. Okay. If you read through the whole book, and this is one of the reasons I want you to do this, what you find, especially in chapters one and two, is that John talks about God's power over sin and the fact that he can forgive. John is not expecting that we will be perfect, but he is expecting that we're striving to follow what God has laid out in scripture, what's right and wrong. Okay. And we'll think about how we do that in just a minute. But I want to look at one more verse this morning because I think it's key for us understanding this test, but really understanding the whole book of 1 John. And we find it in chapter 4, verse 18. He says this, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. So what John is saying is, is he doesn't want followers of Jesus, to live in fear because God loves us so deeply and he has called us to him. He has called us into a relationship with him. And so we shouldn't have fear. Even though we know we're not perfect, even though we know we're sinners, we shouldn't be afraid in our relationship with God. We should be confident. Now, there may be things we need to fix and work on, but we should be confident. Here's how I want to break this down. First, the main lesson for today. Following God means doing what he says. All right? That's what John's getting at. He's saying if you want to be a follower of God, then you've got to do what he says. You've got to take that seriously. We are saying, I'm not the one who gets to decide what's right and wrong. That's up to God, and I'm going to subject myself to God. I'm going to allow him to decide what's right and wrong, and I'm going to pursue that in my life. Second, John knew you wouldn't be perfect. Okay, if we can keep these two things in mind and in balance, I think we'll get the message that John wants his readers and us to take from these passages that we've read this morning. That following God means, it means doing something for him. It means listening to what he says is right and wrong. 
Following God means doing what he says. But God also knows we're not going to be perfect in that. Now, I want to follow up this test with four questions that I think can help us sort of figure out what it means in our lives and really understand how we can still be confident in God. If we're not sinless, how do we approach this? First question. Do I acknowledge that I am subject to God's commands? Okay, look in your life. And are you in your life saying, you know what? God is in charge. He's the Lord. I'm not. He's the one who decides what's right and wrong. He decides what I should do. Am I acknowledging that I'm subject to God's commands? Am I admitting, listen, what I should do is follow what God says. And the only way to know what those things are is to actually read the Bible. So again, it's going back to God's word and listening to what he says about what's right and wrong. But, but the, the question for us is, this first question is, is, am I acknowledging that? In my mind, am I saying I'm a subject of this king? I'm not in charge. I'm not the king. God is God, and I need to find my place in what he's doing not for him to find his place in what I'm doing. Question number two, am I striving to obey? Not am I perfect, because that's not the question John asks us here. But am I striving to obey? Am I trying to do what's right? So the opposite of that would be, hey, I'm going to do what I want to do. I don't really care if it's what God wants me to do. I don't care if it's right or wrong. I just like it, so I'm going to keep doing it. Okay, where do you fall in that? Are you doing stuff that you know is wrong? You don't care whether it's wrong, right? You're just going to do it anyway because you like it. Or are you really trying? Are you striving to follow God's commands? I mean, that's really important because if we're totally disregarding, if we're saying, I'm going to do what I want to do regardless of what God says, then we really need to rethink where we stand with God. Am I really following God or am I expecting God to follow me? Question number three, am I willing to repent? Okay, repentance is so important. Repentance says, I acknowledge that God is in control, and I know that I've messed some stuff up, and in fact, I feel guilty about it, but I want to change. Repentance is all about forgiveness, but it is also about change. It is saying, hey, listen, I want to be a different person. And so if, if we're truly repenting, then number one, we're going to be different. But it says, I'm allowing God to be in charge and I'm striving to do what's right. And when I recognize that there's something wrong, then I want it to change because I really want to be following God. And then the fourth question, what am I ignoring? What am I either choosing to ignore or maybe over time I've done it enough that I don't even think about it? But, but what's going on in my life? And what this requires is some introspection to look in our lives and say, man, what am I missing? What are some things that if I look in my life, I see that I'm, I'm doing these things that are wrong and I haven't even thought about it because I've just sort of ignored what God said. And when we do that, it leads us back to repentance. Now, here's where we land today. John wrote this so that his original readers and so that we 
would be confident in our relationship with him. He wants us to look forward to Jesus' return. That's what we read there in chapter 2. He wants us to be anticipating that Jesus will come back because we know we're going to spend eternity in God's presence. As your pastor, I want you to be confident in your relationship with God. I want you to be confident in where you stand with God. And so as we look at this test, maybe part of you is saying, you know what, I, I try to do what's right, but I have to admit there's some things that they really aren't right. Well, what I want you to know is God loves it when we look in our lives and we recognize, and this is not what I want to be because that's repentance. And God is waiting for us to return to Him. He doesn't like our sin, but He loves us so much that if we identify these places in our lives where we can see, I am not obeying God's commands, I am not abiding in Him, as soon as we turn to Him and ask for forgiveness and repent and try to make that change, God is welcoming us back. So maybe today you feel really confident because you've looked at these tests and, and you feel good about it because you're trying to do what God wants you to do. Or maybe today you look in your life and you say, and there's some stuff that is messed up. God wants you either way and he is calling you to him. And if you go to him, he is ready to forgive you and ready to make you confident in your relationship with him. So. Let's just recognize that following God means doing something with what He says. What that means at times is repentance. But let's choose to be confident in our relationship with God by pursuing Him. Let's pray together. God, we love you so much. And we're thankful for Jesus. And thankful for the lesson that we can find forgiveness in Jesus. God, we want to please you in what we do. We want to pursue you, and we want to be confident in our relationship with you. So God, help us to be the people you've called us to be. We know we can't do all this on our own. We can only do it with your power at work in our lives. And so God, we ask that you would be through your spirit. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.